Um, you can just follow right along with us. We, we're going to be kind of journeying kind of through this, this whole ordeal here today. Friends, if there is one thing that we need to learn how to handle, it's money. Without having it, handle us. Let me say that one more time. The one thing that we do need to learn how to do is how to handle money without having it handle us, as it does to so many. Money is a powerful resource. Friends, nations fight to have it. People, they live for it. They die for it. They kill for it. They lie, cheat, and steal for it. It is the leading cause of stress and anxiety, and it's one of the top two leading causes of quarrels and strife in marriage and in relationships. Can I get a mm-hmm? I don't want to say amen because amen means so be it, and we don't want it to be like that. So you can go mm-hmm, like you agree. Okay? <laughs> but think about it. If you're married in here, how many fights have you had with your spouse around money? I would say probably the majority of them probably in some way, shape, or fashion probably could be stemmed back to it. Or think about this. Have you ever lost a friendship over a money situation? Have you ever done that? I'm sure that there's a lot of people that have. Okay? Friends, business people can embezzle it, and the poor man tries his luck to win more of it. It's just it is what it is. Okay? We can appropriately add this to James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. If you've ever read James chapter 4, James is a tough chapter. All of James, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But James chapter 4, man, he really gets in there and does some deep cutting. So we can appropriate money to this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let's add it. Money. <laughs> do, do they come from your desires that battle within you? Well, if you're desiring money. Your desires, uh, you desire but you do not have, so you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you do not want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God for money. <laughs> when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures with your money. <laughs> you could add, I mean, that could be rightly appropriated to that. But we need to redirect our perspective, and that's why it's called having a biblical perspective about money. If we are in here this morning, we can agree that God is King and Lord and Master of the universe. Amen? Okay, we're not talking about He-Man being Master of the universe. We're talking about the Lord God Almighty. Okay? Skeletor and He-Man? Nah. None of y'all must watch that. That was, that was me, of course. Yes, that's right. That's right. I have the power. You got it. Okay? So if we're in this place, we believe that He's King and Latin, a Master and that everything belongs to Him and we agree with Psalms chapter 50, verse 10 and 11, which says, For all of the animals of the forest are Mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird... Uh, on the mountains, and all the animals of the fields are mine. Correct? And then we can also agree with 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 26. It says, for the, Lord, for the earth is the Lord's, and what? Everything in it. And then also, if we're in here today and we believe that Jesus is Lord and Master, then we will also agree with Isaiah 66 verse 1. And it says, this is what the Lord says. This is pretty amazing. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And then it goes on to say, can you build a temple as good as that? Can you build me 
such a resting place. Have, I don't, he rests his feet on the earth. Wow. <laughs> it must be cushy. <laughs> That's funny. So if we agree with these, friends, we understand that everything belongs to Him. According to Scripture, our children, our jobs, our stuff, ourselves, our money, all of it is His. I heard a bad joke one time back in the day that said uh, there was this person uh, who you know, b- agreed with God owning everything, and so they would throw their money up in the air and say, God, take what's yours, and whatever hits the ground is mine. And that's a bad joke, of course. <laughs> But there's, yeah, that's right, yeah, strong wind. Whew. Dang it! It didn't work that time. <laughs> Friends, we're going to talk about the three T's about money. Say three T's about money. Friends, number one, this is what money is. Money is a tool. It's a tool. It's how we pay our bills. It's, it's how we exchange goods and services. For church, it's a tool. It's, we use it to build uh, the kingdom of God to bring people to Christ. Okay, just for instance, like for example, it's a tool like Vision Kitchen. Vision Kitchen is a tool we feed people, but that isn't the end means to feed people. We feed people because we want to give people an opportunity of receiving the message of Christ. That's why Vision Kitchen exists. It's in a tool. It's a tool for for the kingdom. It's a tool for evangelism. It's a tool for people to to meet with God. A tool is defined as this. It's a device or implement, especially one held in the hand, used to care, carry a particular function. That's all it is. It's a device or implement, especially one held in the hand, used to carry a specific or a particular function. If you're a carpenter, you get trained on tools of the trade. If you're a machinist or a computer programmer or a doctor, Friends, you have tools that you're trained to use to be effective. Sad thing is, though, is that many of us have the tool of money, but we don't know anything about income and expense, budgeting, sowing and reaping, tithing and storing, okay? Balancing a checkbook. Any masters in the house? Do we have any checkbook masters? You can, you can master a checkbook. Go ahead, you go ahead, Vic. You can raise your hand. You can get some props because Joy's giving you props all the way up here. <laughs> Do we have any 80 percenters? Any people that actually live out that 80 percent? Anybody that? You live on 80 percent. That's what it says. 80 percenter. Okay. No, no one. Okay. Well, you know, if you're if you're actually if you are a master of money, you understand you understand the 80 percent concept. You know, 10 goes to God, 10 goes to savings. You live on 80. It's called the 80, you know, 80 percenter. Uh, okay, money management. <laughs> Are you the only one? Did you have your hand up? Was it like that? <laughs> it was like, like slightly, nobody could see. Okay. Uh, and for instance, uh, you know, money management. Say it with me. Say money management. money management. I was in a church one time, and you know what I mean? Uh, it, it's, it's cool. Um, and so sometimes I hear some stuff that are pretty bizarre just because it is what it is. And, and, this, and this person was up front, and they were, they were saying, Say it with me, more money! And, every, and everybody was like, more money! And I was like, management, that's what we need. <laughs> we don't need more money, we need more money. <laughs> management. <laughs> They're like, more money, management. <laughs> so anyways, uh, and, and so for those, you know, we don't want to just say, hey, you need tools. I know uh, we, we uh, have talked about doing, uh, teaching a class and preparing people on this. 
Uh, Dave Ramsey has tools. I mean, Larry Burkett. I mean, there's tons of resources that we can use to help us to learn how to money, how to manage money and manage uh, this tool in, in a right perspective. But the problem is, friends, most people don't view it as a tool. We view it as an idol. It doesn't work for us, but we work for it. When it's a tool, it works for you. When it's an idol, you work for it. American Idol. It's not the one who can sing. It's why Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13, you hear how quiet it was when I said that? It got super quiet in here. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, in the New Living Translation, He said this, No one can serve two masters. Say, two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, he's very clear, you cannot serve both what? God and money. One of my favorite scriptures, I remember reading this and I was like, that's me, God. It's found in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9 through, through verse 7 through 9. And friends, if we understand the concept of what, of what God really, the way that we should be living, we should be living having daily bread. Say daily bread. We see this as an example in the Old Testament. He gave them what? Bread every day. And if they stored up extra bread, it said it would become maggoty and moldy. God wants us to have provisions daily on a daily basis. And then because of the law, they would have to gather extra for on Sundays so that they didn't have to gather on Sunday. And so this is the concept of daily bread. It's here. It's found in Proverbs chapter 30. It says, Oh God, I beg two favors from You. Let me have them before I die. And it's not a new car. <laughs> it's not a bigger TV. Okay? First, let me never tell a lie. That's pretty... Wow. I want to be a person of integrity, a person of my word. I want to be a person that speaks the truth. How many of us know that the truth hurts sometimes? How many of us know that sometimes when we speak the truth, it can even put us in, in, in a situation that could even be more painful than if we have told a lie? But if we're a person of the truth, friends, I'm telling you, what it, I, Jesus said this. <laughs> he said that the devil is what? The father of lies. So if you lie, then you are a son or daughter of a liar. Which makes you what? A son or daughter of the devil. Man, that's tough, huh? Anyways, verse 8. It says, first, help me never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. What? Here, this is why. This is wisdom. Say wisdom. You need to, you need to learn Proverbs, man. It's just full wisdom. It says, give me just enough to satisfy my needs. Another translation says, give me bread every day. Give me, give me every day. Just, just take care of me. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. So he sees the, the, the aspects of each side. I can get so puffed up. And even Jesus said this. He said, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So he said, you know, I'll forget you. I don't, I don't want to be too, I don't want to be rich like that where I, I'm, I, I deny you in that aspect. And God, I don't want to defame your name by having to steal from someone else just so that I can put food in my stomach. Give me daily bread, Lord. And isn't that part of our, our Father in our prayer? Our Father who is in heaven, blessed be your holy name, your kingdom come. What? Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Every day. That God would provide for us every single day. So, number one, 
Money is a tool. Number two, friends, money is a test. It's a test. How many of us loved taking tests when you were in school? How many of us were... (laughs) Faith loved taking tests. Great job, Faith. How many of you guys dreaded test day? I mean, you're like, oh, God. Right? How many... You know, there's people that get anxiety over taking a test. I mean, they get all clammy and shaky, and they just can't take a test. I mean, and and then your mind, like, you just totally forget everything. It's like, oh, my gosh, I forget everything. Okay, not a, some, some of us are not very good test takers. That's why, that's why we find ourselves in some of the predicaments we're in. <laughs> because we've been failing some of the tests that have been given to us throughout the course of our lives. But anyways, it becomes a test. Because the real question is, is do we trust God with money? It's a test because do we trust God? Let's read, let's read a, uh, an account that's found in Mark chapter 6, verse 34 through 44. We've read it many times, but we're going to read it again because this applies to exactly what we're talking about. Okay, Jesus, he multiplies the loaves and the fishes. And there's, in verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd and he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them because uh, they were like a sheep without a set, uh, shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Man, they're, they're you know, they're compassionate. They're thinking about the people. The one who starved to death. Good for them. Verse 36. Send the crowns away <laughs> so that they can go to nearby farms and villages to get something to eat. Maybe they were tired. <laughs> they're like, send them away. No, I don't know. I'm just being silly. Go ahead and uh, go to verse 37. Okay? But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. <laughs> we have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Verse 39, then Jesus told his disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the grass. Verse 40, so they sat down in groups of 50 and 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked towards heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread out to his disciples and they could distribute it to all the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate and had as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets sorry, of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Okay, so we have this account where Jesus multiplies food. He multiplies all this for, for 5,000 people with only five loaves and two, two fish. But the first thing the disciples do in response to what Jesus asked them to do is, we don't have enough money. Did you catch that? He said, you feed them. What did they say? We don't have enough money. Doesn't that that sound like a lot of people today? Well, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. But friends, the disciples had to first give to Jesus what they had in order for Him to make it enough. He cannot multiply nothing. Okay, We have to bring Him something in order to work with. Friends, math tells us this back when we were in third grade, that anything multiplied by zero is still zero. It always equals zero. Here's a timetable. One times zero is zero. Two times zero is zero. All the way down. 12 times 0 is what? It's going to remain the same thing. 
What if what Jesus said, gather and give to me so that I can multiply? So what happens when he asks us to gather and give to him and we don't, and we're thinking that multiplication is going to happen? It doesn't work that way. Okay? Many of us friends are waiting for a big break. We're waiting for this ship to come in with abundance, but we never send one out. If we stare at the ground and wait for a harvest, but we don't put seed into the ground, we'll never receive an increase. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 talks about this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. So if you only put few seeds in, guess what? You're only going to get a few, whatever it is that you plant. You know, I don't know, think of something. Corn, potatoes, tomatoes. If you only plant a few, you're only going to receive a few. But, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So the more that you sow, the more that you reap. And this is, this is a concept, obviously, that does go beyond money. We're talking about money. But what happens when you sow love to people? What are you going to reap? Love. When you sow respect to people, what are you going to reap? Friends, it's a biblical principle that goes across the board. It just it is what it is. Okay? Each of you, and obviously he's talking about money because we go on and he says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Friends, if you have ever felt manipulated to, to, to give any kind of money uh, at this place, please see me afterwards. Because in no way, shape, or form is that ever our intention. And I'll tell you what, it actually is hard for us to talk about money. It just always is. We dread talking about it just because we know that our hearts aren't into it and we know that how it has become idolized in our culture, but yet it's something as the body of Christ that we need to have the right tools and, and be right managers of it because it's something that flows through us all the time, okay? It says, each of you should uh, give what you've received in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want somebody who feels manipulated. If you've been manipulated, then, then, then uh, shame on, on the person to, to do that. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Friends, basically, when you, when you sow and you invest to the Lord and to His kingdom, He takes care of you. That's just how it is. There was a whole tribe, uh, they were called the Levites. They didn't have land. Okay, when they, when they went and took the land, the Levites didn't have any. Why? Because what was uh, of the Lord's was of their treasure. So basically, the Lord took care of them. Friends, we're all called to be kings and priests. Under the blood of Jesus, under the new covenant, He calls us as kings and priests. So friends, He takes care of us. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. Okay? Continuing on here. What happens all too often is that we end up finding ourselves eating the seed. Too many people self-consume their seed, and so they don't receive a harvest, a harvest in due time. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Friends, it's a test. Say, it's a test. It's a test. Okay? Tithing is a test. It means giving a tenth of our increase. Okay? And the thing is, is tithing is not an amount issue. It's always a heart issue. It's always about the heart. How do I know this? Jesus tested the rich man in Luke chapter 18 when the rich man came and said, I have all these things. God, I, you know, I, I, I honor my mother and father. I do all this other stuff. And Jesus looked at him and said, go sell all of your possessions, give to the poor. And it says the man left what? Sad because he had many possessions. 
That's in Luke chapter 18. One chapter later, in chapter 19, there's this man named Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree because he's short and he can't see over the crowds. So Jesus sees him up in the tree. He says, I'm having dinner at your house today. He's like, cool. So he goes over, he goes down, he starts hearing, you know, the teachings of Jesus. And he stands up and he says, you know what? I'm giving half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody, I'm giving them four times or whatever it was that I cheated them. And Jesus said this, truly salvation is coming to this house. Why? Because it's not about an amount. It's always about the heart. It's always about the heart. Friends, money will always be a test to see if it's in control or if God's in control. Guess what? When you get your taxes back, if you're going to cheat on them, then we're going to see who's in control, God or money. It got awfully quiet in here. I feel eyes glaring at me. It's tough though, because it's across the board. Friends, if you want to be honest, if, if you want to be a person of integrity, then you've got to be across, you gotta be a person of integrity across the board. Money will always be a test to see if it's in control or if God is. Because I guess what? You're gonna be tested with money. You're gonna be put in a place. Well, you're going to be tested with money. Are you going to be responsible or is, is money going to dictate? And God will place those tests in front of you. He'll let you be tested. Just want to make sure your heart's right. Sometimes He'll throw a large amount in front of you to see, is this, is this, what, is this what it'll, or, the, or whatever, is this what it'll take? Sometimes there'll be small amounts. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's something insignificant. But yet we're going to be tested with it. It just it is what it is. Okay, it tests our honesty, integrity, and our hearts. With that being said, being a test, friends, this is what's so funny about it. God tells us to test Him. Okay? <laughs> it's kind of weird because the Bible says, you know, that we're not to test the Lord our God, obviously. But then it goes on and He says in Malachi chapter 3, there's one area that He actually says for us to test Him. And that blows my mind. And this is what it says in Malachi chapter 3. We're going to read verse 7 through 12. And it says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord God Almighty. Come on. Return to me and I'll do what? Return to you. Come on. That's James chapter uh, 4, verse 8. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Okay? But you ask, how are we to return to you? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet, you're robbing me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Dang it! Don't you hate it when God like, says stuff like that? Really? I don't want to be a robber. Verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be uh, food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open. Say throw open. That's crazy right there. Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be enough room to store in it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful, uh, yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is what he says. Okay? And I'll tell you what, God wants to be our provider. He wants to show us that He can be our provider. And it's amazing when He increases our faith and we see that He is our provider. Okay, So friends, so if we know that money is a tool, and we use it as a tool, and that it can also become a test, 
then what happens when we pass the test? It becomes a testimony. You can't have a testimony without the first four letters of that word. Test. It's a testimony. In order for us to have a testimony, we must first have a test. So it becomes a testimony. Okay, the provision that God gives. We're like, wow, God is so faithful. You know, I decided to be a giver or, or, to, or to, to step outside of myself, and he showed me that, that he wants to take care of me. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says this. Uh, it's, it's a blessing that he says that he will give, uh, that when we give, uh, we will also receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. So it's a test, or it's a tool, it's a test, and it is a testimony. And so, so this thing, it rules people's hearts. And, and what, a, what a little thing it is. That people, they steal, they covet for it, and yet, what are they, what, what's that old song, money makes the what? World go round? I don't know about that, but I do know that a lot of people are wanting money, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff for it. Here you go. You're welcome. Friends, not, God never intend us just to have, just to be in a place where we're just hanging in there. I've talked to people, I'm like, how you doing, buddy? I'm just hanging in there. That's never, that he didn't die on the cross and, and, and pay for it with his blood for us to live a life that's just hanging in there. No, friends, he, he paid for it for us to what? To not just survive, not just hang in there, but to thrive. That we would walk in victory. And friends, and I tell you, that's probably an area in people's lives that they feel like they don't have victory in, and that's money. Because uh, if, you can, if you can bring your heart and your life into alignment, if you can bring the resources that come through your fingers into alignment, friends, you will begin to thrive. You'll begin to find yourself in a position that, that you want to give. I remember some of the first times when, when I started following some of the, the, the principles of giving, and, and this is what, way back when I first got saved, I remember there was a time, and you know, it's, it's like one of those test things. And I was working at FedEx, and, and you know, I wasn't in ministry or anything. I was just loving Jesus, and I was uh, doing some chaplaincy stuff down at uh, the juvenile jail downtown. And, and, and I remember feeling this impression that I was supposed to like give my whole check. And I'm like, what the heck? Are you serious? This is, you know what I mean? Nobody said anything. Nobody preached that you have to give your old check or anything like that. But I just had this impression and I like fought it. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? Of course, at the time, you know, I worked at FedEx. It was only like 200 bucks, you know, or whatever. But for me, I mean, that's like everything, you know? And, I, and, uh, and I'm like, really? You know what I mean? I fought for it. And I'm like, okay, all right. If this is something, you know, and I remember giving that. And so that was on Sunday. So by Wednesday, you know, I'm driving to work and back and stuff. My car was on empty. And I'm like, okay, here it is. Here it is. Here's the test right here. God, you said give you everything. I did, and now it's Wednesday, and I have no gas, and I'm driving on fumes. Here, I, here it is, Lord. Okay, you're going to have to show yourself in a mighty way. Let me, no joke. Before I went to, before I went to uh, work that day, I was reading through my Bible, and I opened up my Bible. There was a $20 bill in my Bible. 
I'm not joking you. I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. When I seen that, I was like, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! God provided! I got gas money! Woo-hoo! I mean, it was just in- it was insane. I'm calling up people. I'm like, you never guess. Oh my gosh! I opened my Bible. There was twenty dollars in there. You know when God answers you in the in in the immediate position of your need. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was things like that that made me a giver that I am now. You see what I'm saying? Because I mean, and I'm not saying go give your whole check. I'm just saying when you feel impressions of the Lord, friends, do not ever disclaim them another example here i'm gonna give it just one more example this happened recent uh so we were we were uh we were at this this big gathering and there was this pastor that was that was retiring and so uh you know they did like an offering and all this other stuff and i had a hundred dollars in my pocket and i was going to put it in the bank because obviously you know every all the money got to go in the bank so i usually don't carry cash but for some reason i had this and i was going to put it in the bank so as we're walking out the door, I feel this impression. Give that money to the... And I'm like, really? You know, it's like, are you serious? You know what I mean? And so I'm having this whole debate, and I've already known because I've been doing this for... I'm like, okay, you know what I mean? I'm, I had the fight. Okay, I'm human. I've been doing this for a number of years, but I still fight. It's like, okay, are you serious? Okay, all right. You know, went through, put it in there, and then we get in the car. I'm like, Joey, I end up giving it my way. <laughs> no joke. Check this out. The very next day, somebody's knocking on my door. No joke. And they hand me $100. Isn't that sane? No joke. The very next day, I mean, wh- what does that happen to? That happens to people that are givers and that are sowers. has nothing to do with being in ministry. This was happening before ministry. Well, you're a pet. No, it has nothing to do with it. Because, friends, I'm telling you, it's the principle of, of sowing and reaping. And, I, and I'm telling you, and, it, and it's across the board. So it's a testimony. I've got, I can sit up here, and I can talk about just about everything in our house has been given to us. The one time we actually did that, I mean, we showed, I showed picture after picture. It was, a, it was a number of years ago. I said, I just want to show the faithfulness of God. And it was like, like washer, dryer, I mean, everything. I, you cannot outgive God. You just can't. He's so awesome. I, I don't know. I don't, ex- I don't understand it. And I don't do it to, give any, to get anything back. That's the key. When we do it to receive something back, then friends, our heart is in, in wrong motives. But when we do it because we love seeing people blessed, Pastor Joy shared the, the, uh, the story a few, a few weeks ago about how when, that, when the, uh, the family down the street and they got robbed for Christmas and we had a little bit of money that was given and we got a TV for our kids and how we were, uh, you know, and God said give that brand new TV. It was still in the box to them because they had everything. I mean, all of their Christmas stuff was taken from them. I mean, their TV, I mean, everything. And so, so we told our kids, we're like, we got you guys our TV for Christmas. They're like, yay! And we're like, we're giving it away. And they start crying. <laughs> it just, it's what it is. <laughs> and so, so we drove it over to them, and, we, you know, and the kids were, were involved. And I'm telling you, when we, when we blessed that family with it, it was like them winning uh, prices right. I mean, I mean, the tears, crying. I mean, I'm telling you, that moment, I'm like, you know, that, it was so worth it. I didn't expect anything. I'm like, that's, that's, that's the key, God. That's what it is. In the middle of their crisis that you could use, use, a, use somebody just to bring a little bit of hope. And then more than that, man, I think there were like a few different churches that rallied around and just like blessed this family. So God can take situations and circumstances and turn around and use it for the good. Come on, Bishop. So, 
So, and, and this is, so, this is, so I think that happened on a Monday. Okay? I'm just like, you know, chuck it as a loss. <laughs> so two days later, I get a knock on my door. I don't know why people like to knock on our door. And we get this Christmas card from a person that, I mean, we, we never see this person. We see them like once a year or whatever. And they're just like, Merry Christmas. And we're like, oh, cool, thank you. You know, talked a little bit and stuff. God bless you. Open it up. It's the amount for the TV. Are you serious? I showed my kids. They were like, I'm like, it looks like you guys get your TV back. They were jumping up and down. Yay, yay, yay. I mean, it, why? Because you cannot give God. It becomes a testimony of the faithfulness and goodness of our King. And I'm not saying this to brag or boast, but friends, I could stay up here for hours giving story after story about how good our God is. I bet you there are people in here that can give instance after instance of the faithfulness of God. It becomes a testimony. Why? Because God, He loves us so much. We're His kids. It says He gives good gifts to His children. He loves you. Okay? Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. i got two scriptures I want to, I want to close on. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Okay, Jesus said, or, uh, God said this to Joshua. He said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. What's the book of the law? The Bible, obviously. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Hold on. God wants us to be prosperous and successful? Absolutely He does. That's why He says in Jeremiah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God doesn't want us to be in the slums and barely hanging on, friends. Not saying that we get rich and that we... No, He wants us to be prosperous. Deuteronomy chapter 30. We're going to end with this Scripture. Verse 8-10. through says, you will again obey the Lord and follow all of His commands I'm giving you today. Friends, that's the key. The key isn't, isn't the sowing and reaping. The, the key is obeying the Lord. That's the key. All the commands I'm giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, your young of your livestock, and the crops of your land. The Lord uh, will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as He delighted in your ancestors, if you obey the Lord, your God, and keep His commandments and His decrees, they're written in the book of the law, and turn to the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Friends, He wants us to be prosperous. That's why money does matter, friends. And there's a few things we're going to end on right here. This is the end. Okay? With, with money matter, uh, with it being a matter, friends, we can't allow it to have a hold of our heart. We just cannot in no way, shape, or form. Okay, God is, God is not wrestling okay, for position over money. He has to be Lord, King of all. We can't serve both two masters. It cannot have a hold. Secondly, friends, we need to be good stewards of what's been entrusted to us. We have to be good stewards. It says, He who has been given little, but he who has been given much, Nobody's finishing. It's okay. And then finally, friends, God wants us to live an extravagant life of giving. You know that? I'm talking about giving when nobody sees. He wants us to do that. Not that we go and, 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 and just be stupid with it. But what I'm talking about is that we live a life that, that is uh, open enough to say, God, I'm willing to be your vessel to flow through. And when, you, and when there's opportunities that you're a blessing to someone, then you take them. It's called extravagant giving. 
Our church is an extravagantly giving church. Do you know that? Do you know that everything that flows out of here flows pretty much for free? Do you know that? By the grace of God, we serve thousands of people food for free. We do block parties. We don't charge a dime for them. How many of us know it takes money to do these things? It does. But we want to be a blessing. It's a tool. It's a test. And friends, let it be a testimony. Stand your feet with me if you will. we got one more week. Pastor Joy is going to share on money manage, money matters. And then we're going to go into another sermon series called Identity. It's something that God's been stirring in us. And so, if you're in this place and you haven't found yourself to be a, a, the best steward, it can happen today. It's a choice to say, God, I want to be a good steward of the, of the tools and the resources that you've given to me. Maybe you're in here and maybe you've never stepped into a position of being a giver. Test him. I'll even say this. You don't even have to test him at this body. Test him at another church. There you go. Bam. Test him. Test him in, in, in a ministry that, that's reaching out to, to with, uh, orphans and widows. Test God. Let him show you how much he loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you are king and master. God, you own everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But yet, God, so many, God, there are thousands and millions of people, God, that are breaking their backs and killing themselves to earn that dollar. And Lord, we live in a culture and a society that pushes us to have bigger and better. Father, we choose not to fall in, in, into those traps in the name of Jesus, but God, we choose to be the men and women that have the daily bread and the daily provisions that you provide. God, we want to be men and women, Father, that walk, God, uprightly in prosperity that your word says. God, walk uprightly in a way that we could be a blessing to others. Lord, I pray that you would give us a heart to give, to be givers, to be lovers. Lord Jesus, and Father, we ask, God, we, we thank you for every person in this place today. God, that you would, that you would just create in us, Father, a DNA. God, to want to be men and women that honor you with all that we have. God, we honor you with our choices. God, we honor you with the things that come out of our mouth. God, we honor you, God, with, with our thoughts. God, we honor you with the tools that have been placed in our hand. And God, we say, to God be the glory. Lord, we want to say we love you, have your way. Lord Jesus, we just commit our lives to you again today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Friends, God bless you. Thank you so very much for coming out today. If you would like for us to join and pray with you about anything in a specific manner, we would love to do that. So if you, if you slip on out of your seat and come up forward, we'll have some of our leaders. We'll pray for you. If not, you can greet Pastor Joy in the back if you're new. And uh, we hope to see you on again. God bless you, friends. Take care.